And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney, and I'm once again joined by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, it is December 29th, Tuesday. We have made it past Christmas. We have made it past the Chiefs clinching a bye, and we are finally at the week we've been waiting for since 2018, and that, of course, is Chad Henney Week. <laughs> it's always an important milestone. Always. I'm excited for it. I know that there's this joke contingent that we will sometimes see at St. Joseph. Chad Henney, for starter, that group of Chiefs fans that are very excited for this week. It's this big group that wears T-shirts to camp and pushes for Henny to be the starter of the team. The Chiefs, of course, have an MVP candidate at quarterback. He may not win it, which I'm sure we will discuss a little bit in this podcast. What we have for you today, though, let's run through it. We're going to go through the news. There's some news that came out early on this week. We have our Atlanta Falcons marinated takeaways. This will probably be a shorter show because we're not going to necessarily talk about the questions heading into this week because we really don't know exactly who's going to be playing so it's hard to ask questions about a game you really know not too much about but after marinated takeaways we'll get into Andy Reid's press conference from Monday and then to make up for it John I have for you not one but two best Chiefs things I heard all week. I don't care if that's not grammatically correct. We got some excitement <laughs> at the end of this podcast for you. Good. Well, at least I'll be able to hear them this time. Yes, that's the, that's the main We've thing. We've already some technical, that. <laughs> some technical difficulties last time, but we're over it. We've moved on, <laughs> on to Cincinnati. All right, here's the news. Sammy Watkins, we know that he had a calf injury last game. Another game, another injury for Watkins. This has become a trend through his three years in Kansas City. But the good news is that the Chiefs expect him to be back for what would be, I guess, their division round game. The report coming from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. And especially in the playoffs, John, this we know is good news for the Chiefs. Right. We always want to see playoff Sammy in the playoffs. Not uh, necessarily before the playoffs, but certainly in the playoffs. <laughs> or else, uh, you know, he doesn't make much sense for the Chiefs. And let's be clear, you know, he hasn't had a big year. He's done what he normally does, make clutch plays when he's on the field, improve the offense when he's on the field. Yeah. But he hasn't had a big impact. And uh, we expect that in the postseason or else people will be wanting to move on from him. Yeah, this, this is, is going equation. to this is going to go exactly how we think this is going to go. Sammy Watkins, 400 and change yards, the worst year because he couldn't stay on the field in Kansas mm -hmm. City production wise, and he's going to have a phenomenal playoffs off this injury. And Chiefs fans are not going to know what to do with it. There's going to be some that are on the side of you got to keep this guy. There's going to be some on the side of we need to move on. Might be more move on this year just because I, I know there's probably more fans that were upset with how the regular season went. And you think about Watkins and his feelings last offseason. He was talking about being the guy. I don't think the Chiefs are going to give him necessarily the money he's seeking, but we don't know the details on that. He was convinced last offseason to stay at a discounted price. This doesn't help his cause in wanting a payment from another team. I mean, you know, sure. you look at a guy like 
Eric Berry, for example, I think he was seeking a contract that nobody was really willing to give him at the end of his career simply because of the injury stuff. We'll see how it plays out. The one thing you need to know, again, is there's a good chance per Rappaport that Sammy Watkins will be back for the divisional round. You won't see him this weekend. Speaking of this weekend's game, John, a time change, (laughs) something that I have not been happy about, but... The Chiefs and Chargers, which, because the Chiefs have clinched the number one seed in the AFC, is a meaningless football game, was moved to later in the afternoon. I don't know why they would do this. Maybe they thought CBS and Fox and the NFL that Patrick Mahomes could potentially play in this game. He hasn't necessarily been completely ruled out yet, but we don't think he's going to be able to play in this game because I think Reed is going to rest him. But 3.25 p.m., Chiefs and Chargers. I think it's more about making sure that the uh, broadcasts are as competitive as pro- as possible. Mm-hmm. In other words, you set it up so that the teams that whose results matter to other teams are playing at the same time, so there's no late game where um, the results are preordained by a team clinching in the early games. Um, otherwise, I got no, I got nothing. And it's also very odd for them to move it from one network to another. But that may have to do with, uh, you know, some kind of negotiation because one network didn't get a good game that they were expecting or something. Who knows? Um, But it'll be the Chiefs at 3 o'clock, which is not our favorite thing. We like the games at noon. It's all about us. Let's remember that. It's always all about us. No doubt about it. Now you're you're finally making sense on this podcast, John. And and that's, (laughs) that's the thing. So pulling the curtain back a little bit when it's a noon game we can finish up around 7 8 p.m still maybe enjoy time with the family or the night game 3 30 it's a wrench you're going right to bed you're waking up all of a sudden i mean it may, might be a little bit better this week because we have no game to worry about the next week so anyway we will see it should be and we'll get more into this but it should be henny versus herbert and Herbert has put together the really nice rookie season. So maybe there was some Herbert love in that pushback as well. Let's see what this rookie can do. All right. It's time now for our Atlanta Falcons marinated takeaways. The Chiefs winning this game by the small margin of 17 to 14. We had these two offensive juggernauts, as we predicted last week. This is going to be a shootout. The Chiefs are finally going to win by 10. Nope and nope. I'm going to get into my first marinated takeaway, and that was this. I was happy that the linebackers got thrown into the fire a bit here. I'm a big believer, and this is how I even run Arrowhead Pride to an extent. I like to just throw people in the fire. And I know that has nothing to do with playing football necessarily, but let's see what a person can do. Let them write an article. For example, you had now Anthony Hitchens not playing. We knew that going in COVID list. We knew Damian Wilson wasn't playing because he's been dealing with that knee issue. Ben Neiman all of a sudden becomes really important because he's the guy with the most experience, starts doing the communication for the Chiefs. He gets injured in the game. All of a sudden... We wanted to see Willie Gay. We got Willie Gay and we got Darius Harris and we got Amari Cobb who nobody knew who he was before last week. And I love that because yes, as you can read on our website today, Craig Stout goes through it. Willie Gay had some ups and downs, especially in the first half, but you know what? 
He showed progress in the second half, and that can only happen by playing. And with this guy's athleticism, leading the Chiefs in tackles, I think he needs to be on the field. He's one of those guys, again, something we'll get into as we talk about the availability for next week. I would like to see play again because he needs the reps if he's going to potentially have an impact on the playoffs. This is always how it is, though. Uh, These guys show promise. And sometimes they don't get opportunities to play. That's not just for the Chiefs, for for any NFL team. And more often than not, it's a combination of circumstances that give them the opportunity to push them out on the field before their coaches really think they're ready. I mean, we, we see examples of this in every team every year. And this is yet another one. Um, you know, we, it hasn't been real clear to us why Willie Gay hasn't been getting a lot of snaps. Um, you know, we ask and we get answers that maybe tell us a little bit, but don't really give us the answer we think is the right one. And yet now we see maybe some of why the Chiefs have held him back a little bit. He did struggle some, but he also showed a lot of talent, made some plays. And, you know, I, I think they got an opportunity to see what he could do on the field, which will only help him going forward. Well, it's been clear in previous games that he's needed extra help or tutoring or instruction from Anthony Hitchens, who simply wasn't there. Harris was trying to figure it out. So these guys really were, it was the definition of thrown into the fire. And you can make a case, especially in this final stretch here, the defense might have had its strongest game. You got Mm -hmm. pressure on Matt Ryan. Second level was good. LeJerry Sneed had himself a game, another rookie for this team. I felt really good about the defense coming out of this game. I know the Falcons had a poor year, but... They have some offense to them, and the Chiefs were able to hold them to 14 points. Could have been 17 with that last second field goal that was missed. But still, I was pretty impressed, and especially with that second level. All right, John, your first marinated takeaway here. I think after watching this game, and I actually have thought this for a while, but it just confirmed it to me that the offensive line is the team's biggest obstacle Mm. uh, to being successful in the postseason. Now, I say that because you know, they're having problems. They're having problems uh, running the ball like we think they should. They're having problems protecting Patrick Mahomes like we think they should. And yet, um, it's not like we had this incredible offensive line last year and went and won the Super Bowl. Uh, I think we're in worse shape than we were at this point last season, but it might not be by very much. So while it is the biggest problem, um, I don't know that it's necessarily one that's going to keep the Chiefs from succeeding in the postseason. But if you have to pick one, that's it. Yeah, I was surprised by the fact that Wisniewski was not still in the lineup Mm -hmm. this week when Remmers was healthy and they opted for Remmers at right tackle. That means to me that he is simply going to be this swing guard for them if they need someone to step in, which you need. I mean, we have seen too many times this year Someone gets hurt and someone has to step in. And so I'm glad that they have someone reliable there. You saw Daniel Kilgore had to check in in this game at one point. But this is a a weak point of this year's team. And I think you could trace it back to the beginning of the year when, unfortunately, the draft pick and Lucas Niang opted out. And you also had the doctor opt out. Because if these two opt-outs don't happen, this is probably one of the team's stronger units because you have options there and you can play the best guy. Sure. It yeah. seems like the hand is being forced where with, with Reed and saying, this isn't necessarily the best guy, but almost like a process of elimination thing. This is the best we got, which is never a place you want to be with the O-line, which again, and, and this will be more of a question for our draft guys with the, with the great draft guide they do. 
will the Chiefs go early offensive linemen in this next year's draft? I know they had been interested in Cesar Ruiz, who ended up going to the New Orleans Saints. So I wonder if they make a move in day one or day two for an O-lineman. But just about the same as the point about Willie Gay, though, there has been one bright spot from all the struggles they've had with injuries and the issues with the opt-outs. Nick Allegretti has done a fine job yeah. as the left guard this season, and we might not have had the opportunity to see that from him without these things taking place. So that's at least been one positive outcome from this patchwork offensive line we've been dealing with all season. One more point on the O-line. I know that it's probably not going to be the sexiest take to believe that yeah, the Chiefs should go and get the guy with the two broken knees, Kelechi Osemele, but if he rehabs and he's ready and he's available at a discount, get him back in the mix and just see if he's the same player or similar to what he was because I thought he was the Chiefs' best offensive lineman early on and upsetting that he had to basically be out for the season with this double knee injury. All right, next position from this Falcons game, and this was what I thought about the quarterback. Patrick Mahomes was going to be human for one game. Shouldn't it be good that he got it out of his system now? He had such a poor game against the Falcons, and it's so rare that we can say that. Good on him for being able to stick with it and hitting Demarcus Robinson in stride, looking off the defenders, faking that he's going to Kelsey or Hill, seeing DeMarcus one-on-one. This was something I asked DeMarcus after the game. He only had two targets in this game. He was ready for that touchdown pass. Ultimate confidence in the quarterback, despite the rough day, throwing the ball all around the field and not really being on target. And how many times are we going to see Mahomes have a game like this twice in a row, let alone twice in four games, which is really all you're worried about right now? And I think it's good to get that out of his system. Good to get some bad tape out there. So there's something to correct. I mean, usually this guy goes out there, slings the football all over the field. What is Andy Reid and and Pat really working on? So again, I I think there can be a silver lining to it in the sense that it's now out of his system. And I don't expect to see a similar effort out of Mahomes in the playoffs because of the body of work. I agree. And, you know, I looked back at it uh, after the game and he's had some bad games. You know, a couple of them have been, there's been a couple this year that weren't that great. We've had some bad ones at different points over the last couple of seasons. But, uh, you know, it's not like it was completely unknown. And it was arguable whether this was his the worst game of his career. I, uh, you know, I, I think yeah. you can argue about that. But it's certainly in that group. And uh, he still, as you said, at the end of the game, managed to make a great play. Usually what we see is that he'll come back and make a series of plays. Right. (laughs) But it only took one in this case to win the game, and that's what counts ultimately. Saw a stat this morning, too, and it's worth noting about Mahomes if we're really having an honest conversation. Ron Kopp highlighted this on Twitter, and there was was a video out there of Mahomes throwing the ball around the field. Sometimes it does take the ball bouncing your way. And Mm. Patrick Mahomes had a league-leading 16 dropped interceptions this year. And if you watch the tape, there were a couple bad ones this year that went in favor of the Chiefs. The Chiefs had one in this game. If that interception isn't dropped in the end zone, the Falcons have this upset. I mean, there's no other way to say it before the DeMarcus uh, touchdown. So again, I think even for the heroes and the greatest players of the NFL – 
sometimes a little adversity is good because you know you need to be sharp the next time you play, which will be for the Chiefs, the divisional round at Arrowhead Stadium. All right, John, to the running backs we go. Yeah, it looks to me like uh, we got some information about the running back room on Sunday. Um, you know, we expected Le'Veon Bell to be the bell cow, aptly named in this nice. game, uh, with uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of the game. And then he wasn't. And it seems to be because he got a little shaken up on a play early in the game. So they sent Daryl Williams out there for some snaps, and they liked what they saw. And what do you know? Daryl Williams becomes the bell cow for this game and actually looked really good. The most significant thing, though, I thought going forward is the fact that we didn't see Darwin Thompson on the field for a single offensive snap in this game. And, uh, you know, I've long been a Darwin Thompson fan, so this is sad for me. But, uh, you know, he's he's been used. He's been active week in and week out. I think he wasn't active last week, but he's been active. He's been used on special teams. Uh, as, uh, you know, a speed guy, which they need right. in those units. But um, it doesn't look like he's going to make the grade as a Chiefs running back, and I and I find that sad. Yeah, a couple of responses here to what you're saying. Pretty clear that the Chiefs, I, at least in my opinion, and Andy Reid kind of refuted this after the game, but I think he's just protecting his guy. Pretty clear that they began going with Daryl in this football game. And it was eye-opening to me for next year. I, I would wonder what happens with Damien and whatnot, but I think Daryl really deserves an opportunity, maybe not to be the RB1 necessarily, but mm -hmm. just a true full look at being what would be like a number two spell type of guy, which has been his role for most of the year. I know he's been this third down guy for the Chiefs, but looked really sharp in this game. Looked to have more yeah. burst than Le'Veon did, to be fair. And I like the Le'Veon Bell move, but just... Not as effective to me as Daryl. And the Chiefs saw that, and I saw that reflected, as you wrote, John, in the snap count. And then when it comes to Darwin Thompson, positive, the Chiefs didn't ship him out for a DeAndre Washington type of deal where they got a mm -hmm. slight draft pick upgrade, and he made the team and whatnot over Washington. The downside is we see the Chiefs at the running back position, especially now that we think that I don't know who knows how 2021 is going to go with this coronavirus, but we think it's going to be back up to 90 players. I mean, in camp, they load up on the running back position. Mm -hmm. Red Feach loves to do this, where it's not only Clyde, it's not only Daryl, and maybe Damian back in the mix, but it'll be another three guys with Darwin, two guys, whatever. I'm wondering if he ends up making the roster. I would like to see him get a real shot. It's just hard to see that being in Kansas City at this point. And, and that's where I would agree with you because for sure, Heart of Gold, we talked to him at the press conference, for sure puts in the work and Dylan mm -hmm. McCullough attested that every time he gets an opportunity to talk. Just a lack of opportunity in Kansas City and unfortunate for him. You know, it's, it's weird how things go. So the Chiefs miss maybe on Ruiz. They end up with Clyde and all of a sudden they have another running back in the mix and those opportunities that might have been there for a Darwin or just not. And that's, that's just how it sometimes goes. So we'll look out for Darwin and see how uh, I would say next year goes, unless there is an injury. Clyde also expected to be back optimistic. The chiefs are feeling optimistic again, that Clyde will be back in the mix once the playoffs begin, but remains to be seen. No guarantee. I think on that right now, final marinated takeaway uh, from this game. And you see the Falcons 
kicker missing the field goal at the end of this game. I mean, Harrison Butker made a very important field goal in this game, and it was from 50-plus yards away. And I'm going to whisper this so I don't, don't jinx it here, but I'm happy that Harrison has been able to figure it out, knock on all the wood, because we forget, I think, sometimes when we watch the Chiefs, and maybe it's been more of a, I guess, talking point now since they've been having these close games. But when you get in the NFL playoffs, that really becomes magnified and emphasized as this game of inches where everything matters and you don't want to even have a question with your kicker. And we had four or five weeks there where we were saying, is this going to cost the chiefs because the kickers can cost teams. And so I've been happy to see Butker figure it out and knock on all the wood. Let's hope he continues. Yeah. Let me, let me do that right now. Okay. All right. I don't want to miss any opportunities to put the, put the right karma out there. So, yeah, no, you're right. And um, I've seen people this week since the game mentioned that part of the issue with Coos miss may have been the wins in Arrowhead. Right. You know, the Chiefs are very familiar with that stadium. Apparently one end of it is harder to kick in than the other. And uh, perhaps the Falcons were, and I, you know, not a kicking expert, I couldn't tell you which one it is, but that's what people who seem to know about this have been saying. And perhaps the Falcons were at the wrong end of the field for the wind conditions. It was fairly calm, but I recall seeing in the weather that it was supposed to get windier as the afternoon wore on. And perhaps that's exactly what we saw happening there. Um, Maybe it wasn't Ku's fault, but you're still paid to make those kicks in those conditions. And he failed to do it. And Butker did. So that's, um, that's advantage chiefs there. Doesn't always come down to kickers, but we've seen too many times in the playoffs where it does. And like I said, good to feel good about Harrison Butker right now. All right, coming up on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Andy Reid spoke on Monday. We will play the highlights for you and discuss them. Stay with us. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney hanging out with my deputy editor, John Dixon. We are going to get into Andy Reid's Monday afternoon press conference in just a few moments. But before I do, I want to get into what we're rolling today at Arrowhead Pride. Right now, you can read about the Chiefs defense. Craig has a full breakdown on what happened against the Atlanta Falcons. We have 
believe it's going to be our final Arrowhead Pride power rankings. And Tom Childs has some nice comments. Always makes me laugh with a few of them. And I, I hope you feel the same. We have our Chiefs playoff picture. Bottom line, you need to know right now is that the Chiefs are in. They are the number one seed. They don't play for a few weekends here. But John, you break it all down as to who we think could be projected. There are so many different scenarios. Really unbelievable amount of scenarios than we've seen in a long time. I think part of the reason actually is that extra team. And so you're seeing where teams can squeak in. And I believe there's going to be probably one team in the AFC that's worthy of going that won't. And it'll all play out this weekend. It's nice that the Chiefs are not involved in that if you're a Chiefs fan. And then, of course, a roundup of the power rankings nationally. But let's get into Andy Reid and what he spoke about on Monday. And everybody's wondering this right now. Chiefs, Chargers, 325 p.m. The Chiefs have this thing locked up. What is he going to do when it comes to resting players? You know, I, I've been down this road a couple times before and I've had opportunities to rest guys. So uh, we'll do that. I mean, we'll, we'll rest up some guys. I, I'm, I'm sitting right here, Adam, kind of waiting on the guys to come in and, and get their the treatment and see talk to Rick and see exactly where we stand with, with any injuries and that. So, um, uh, but uh, there are certain guys that they'll have an opportunity to, uh, uh, to rest up. Everybody will be ready to go uh, as long as we're physically ready to go. They're physically ready to go, but uh, we'll make that decision down the road. But yeah, I've, I've done that in the past. I've rested rested players. Yes. This to me sounded like a confirmation that you're not going to see a lot of starters on Sunday. And John, you noted to me in our Slack communication channel that you want to see some of the starters in this game. Well, I think you really need to. I mean, yes, historically, Andy Reid has rested starters when he's had a bad uh, a bye week to work with, but it hasn't always worked out. Um, you know, there's two sides to this argument. And I think the Chiefs, as a team that's been winning games by close margins here at the end of the season, particularly, you know, against what most perceive as a weaker opponent in the Atlanta Falcons, although I think they were a better team than their record indicated. Um, you know, I think there'd be some advantage to playing healthy guys, at least for a little while. Uh, you know, guys who have, you know, injuries that they're working through this week, fine, sit those guys down. You know, you don't want to make those things worse before the postseason if they're starters. But, you know, other guys, maybe they could use a little work to keep sharp and don't go into the postseason without having played football for a long period of time. I think we might see a, a combination uh, rest situation this weekend for those reasons. Yeah, I wonder what the Chiefs do here. I know that there's been a lot of Chiefs fans in the mentions referencing the Baltimore Ravens and how they rested some guys and yeah. were shocked last year during the postseason. And I I think while it's nice to wonder <laughs> what Andy Reid is going to do, he's just such a creature of habit that I, I don't see any of the starters playing. And and that's just what, what I think he, he'll do. Like maybe... Maybe there's weird scenarios where he wants to get the offensive line another run through. And like, I don't see Mahomes or Kelsey or Hill suiting up at all. I mean, that's just where I'm at. But I could be wrong. And this could be a pivot. We've seen Andy Reid pivot before. But if he does what we're used to seeing him doing, you know, these big names, I think, will be completely shut down in this game. 
Well, part of the trouble is, too, if you're going to play your backup players, you got to put some of those active players on inactive status before the game. Right. And, uh, you know, so you start with those inactive players being guys who have minor injuries. I think Tyreek Hill is certainly on that list. I would not want to play Tyreek Hill in this game uh, because he's, you know, was struggling with a hamstring. You don't want him to aggravate that thing. Um you know, Sammy Watkins maybe is a guy you don't play in this game because well, yeah, he, got, he cer- yeah, he certainly won't be playing. Right. Shaking up and, and so Kelsey, I'm, Kelsey was a yeah. little limpy last yeah. week. Yeah. I don't see him, you know, I don't see yeah, him. Absolutely. And Mahomes, okay, he's the franchise. And you've got a good solid guy in Henny, and it won't hurt him a bit to have some snaps in case Mahomes gets has to sit down some in the in the postseason for whatever reason. But I think that the trouble is that you always end up seeing more starters than you realize. Certainly, the stars are not going to be on the field, the big-name right. players. But some of those guys are going to be out there. And um, and I think that's where people get sideways about this, is that they they imagine that none of the starters are going to play, but in fact, a lot of them will. I think the ones with no ailments, and some of them, you know, they have to, because you have to fill the team, right? So sure. You're right. Yeah. I, the top players, I... I project to be uh, one of them I project to not see one snap for those who agree with me or whatever is Patrick Mahomes I think Chad Henney will get the full game he was read on Henney uh, this week yeah well, he's done he's done he's been great I mean he <clears throat> he understands the role which is like the number one thing right you gotta you have to understand the role and then like any relief pitcher you have to be ready uh, at all times and and then there's a certain amount of discipline that goes with being ready for these game plans when you're not repping them, <clears throat> you've got to stay mentally sharp with it. And you've been at practice where you, these guys, they take all the reps, they just do it back behind everybody. And, and so uh, he's in tune with that. He never gripes. He's been great for Patrick uh, for as somebody that he can bounce things off of uh, that's in the moment right now. So, and, and it leads to a great, um, a great room. I mean, you've got more in there also. So um, all of a sudden he's got two veteran guys around him that have been there, done it. And, and uh, our two top notch guys on top of all that. So, um, so I, you know, I, I, and I would tell you if, if Pat doesn't go, then Chad would be the guy. Yes. So we will see Henny's first start, John, since 2014. This guy has not started in six years. That is an incredible time between starts in the NFL. But I think he'll do fine. You know, he's demonstrated before that he can come out there and play. And and, uh, so I think he'll do fine. I don't. I don't worry about Henny. You would just think that some point between then and now it would have happened already. That is an incredible amount of time. And he got a little unlucky last year in the sense that it would have been his golden opportunity for two starts and he was hurt. He was on IR Mm -hmm. and it ended up being Matt Moore. And he famously went one and one, including a a win against the playoff bound Minnesota Vikings who have since fallen off a cliff. So maybe Moore started that train for them. Who knows what it was? Yes. I know a controversial, if you want to call it that topic, in Kansas City has been whether or not to be worried about these close wins, seven straight wins for the Chiefs in one possession games. Here was Andy Reid with a lengthy answer about closing games out. Yeah, you know, Robert, I think it's just not getting down on yourself. Uh, You can kind of 
uh, you can kind of uh, dismantle the whole thing if if you're not believing that good things are going to happen here, you know. And uh, so, I, I, when I tell you that I'm proud of the guys for that, um, I, that that's one of the things I'm talking about is just that persevering through the game, not pointing the fingers at this guy or that guy. I don't know if you guys saw, but after the game, I mean, here's uh, Chris and Frank and they're waiting on Patrick to say, hey, man, uh, we appreciate you, you know, staying with it and trusting us. And and Pat goes, hey, listen, I'm, you know, I could have done better here for you, you know, blah, blah, blah. but the point being is that um, it's selfless that way. So uh, when, when you have that, I think that's important. That Those are the things I see. Uh, because I'm right there, right? I've got the front row seat. So um, uh, I appreciate that. And do we need to sharpen some things up? Yeah, we'll do that. Uh, but being able to show up and answer the bell every game, and um, that's that's not an easy thing to do, especially when, you, you know, you're you're kind of the hunted, right? I mean, you, 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 you won the championship, so teams are going to come after you a little bit, and, and uh, you got to battle through all that and, and play. And Every week we sit there and we look at team. And go, man, how did that group do this and that against that team, man? Um, but that's this league. There's great parity. There's great comp. The competition is just phenomenal. These guys, uh, records aside, they want to play. They want to. They want to show and 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 they're professionals. Uh, yeah, and there there's not a whole lot of difference between uh, winning and losing and, and each team with the, with the parity that there is. So you, you know, the, the fact that we're able to step up and to the plate, uh, 14 out of 15 times has been, uh, been a real plus. Yeah. That last part is so interesting because they have the best record in chief's history. And mm-hmm. yet there's this underlying question that you have in your bones. Like, is this team better than last year? I don't know, but, they're going to go down as one of the greatest teams simply for that fact. Yeah, nobody will remember these narrow losses right. in years to come. Even a year from now, we'll probably won't even be talking about them. And I, I saw somebody, uh, one of our commenters, put this in perspective. If if anybody in July had said that the Chiefs were going to be 14-1 and one going into the last week of the season, would anybody have said, Okay, but what was their margin and victory in all those games? <laughs> and no, nobody would have said that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's those two numbers, the 14 and the 1, that are going to define what the Chiefs are for this season, for this regular season. And then, of course, after that, what they do in the postseason. And um, those are the things that are going to matter. You know, does it indicate perhaps some weakness in the Chiefs? Yeah, could be. But that's what we're going to find out in the postseason actually makes this weekend's game for the Chiefs history buffs really interesting because the Chiefs have never been 15 and one and this could be the first ever 15 and one team and if Henny is able to pull it off and going even further man you wish you could have that Raiders game back because you would be looking (laughs) at some real history right now so that's just the way it goes sometimes. And I think Reed had some good points there. And I think in his answer, I mean, he won't ever say this, but you you can tell that he's hearing it. I think some of the players are hearing it. Is this team primed to get upset? 
and you hope it doesn't happen to them and they're very, very aware of it. So perhaps that'll help them as they look forward to the playoffs. And again, they're going to be rested. And this is Andy Reid off a, a bye. And I think you should have confidence in that. Okay, John. I know this is the moment. I mean, you wait all week for this. I'm the best the Chiefs thing uh, we heard all week. And we know that in the Atlanta Falcons game, there was a fourth and one Sammy Watkins pass. And Patrick Mahomes <laughs> went out to receive the football. And he got mossed. Book, I got another one for you. Who throws the best no-look pass in our game right now? You know, some people might say Fitzpatrick after the other night, but most people would say Patrick Mahomes. Hey, Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> we heard you loud and clear, my man. Tell us what you think about our segment, Mr. Mahomes. What you got for me? I told Sammy before the play, it's fourth down, you got to throw it even if I'm covered. Um, he had the, the leverage on me, and uh, I'm probably going to be on You Got Moss this weekend uh, on Monday, so I'm, not, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> well, Mr. Mahomes, you asked for it. You got it, man. Falcons Chief, number one play, trick play, Sammy Watkins. Give me a better pass than that. But Keanu Neal makes the interception over Mr. <laughs> No-Look Patrick Mahomes. Hey, Patrick Mahomes, y'all quarterback always tell us, hey, man, make us look good. Come on, Mr. Mahomes, you got to make the wide receiver look good. But, di- but since you didn't, hey, Mr. Neil Patrick Mahomes, you got more. Look, that's, that's, that's a half a billion dollar ball since <laughs> So one of the memorable plays of the game, Patrick Mahomes going up for the pass. Thank goodness he did not get hurt there. I mean, you've seen injuries <laughs> on less active plays than the one Mahomes had. Uh, in the end zone, but the play was originally designed again, playing a man to man look. So, man to man, nobody's necessarily going to be on Mahomes, but somebody was. And good on Neil for following him sure. and yeah. cramming it out of the air. Made a great play. But all I could think of after that play was over was the fashion comparison. Who wore it better, Patrick Mahomes or Tyler Thigpen? <laughs> Very nice. Very <laughs> nice there. Speaking of. Chiefs history, the second best Chiefs thing we heard all week. This is the one-year anniversary of the Fitzmagic and the double call. Meanwhile, Miami has first and goal down by four. And they're at the New England four-yard line, first and goal. 29 seconds left. Here, Butker kicks the extra point. And Fitzpatrick throws in the end zone. Touchdown, Miami! The Dolphins have just scored. Gasicki, the tight end, got a laser in the back of the end zone on a goal-to-go touchdown pass by Miami quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick to take a lead with 24 seconds to go. The extra point coming up for Miami, leading New England 26-24. to And the crowd now knows it. What a throw by Fitzpatrick. What a touchdown run by Williams on the last weekend of the regular season in the NFL. If the Chiefs win and New England loses, the Chiefs will be the two seed. They'll get the bye and they'll have a home game the next weekend. I'm getting confused. What game are you calling? I'm calling both games. Here is the extra point. The Dolphins have just gone up on New England 27-24 with 24 seconds to go. So the Chiefs win their game. The Dolphins win their game. And with that, the Chiefs got the number two bye back in the day when they had two byes and went on to the Super Bowl. 
Kevin Harlan, man, what a moment. You know, it's funny how often um, the great plays and the great moments in history are also accompanied by um, great moments in broadcasting history. You know, there was that um, interception return for a touchdown in 1993 against Pittsburgh, I think it was, where the uh, uh, in the press box, the place exploded in a place where you're supposed to keep quiet because writers for the other team are in there and you know you don't want to make them feel bad but the the press box went completely nuts <laughs> on that play and of course the people listening on radio uh were the the crowd drowned out the call of the game as it turns out a revisionist history what I've what I've understood is that uh, the engineer turned it up <laughs> There you so go. It wasn't quite that loud, but it was a great moment to listen to, though, because it really, I mean, the the stadium was insane in that moment. And um uh and so that carried through on the broadcast and and with the people sitting in the press box, uh, you you could really feel it all. Well, so Harlan, Harlan yeah. too. I mean, Kansas, I think he's a, he lives in Kansas City. He is so good at these calls. And he's yeah. a part of so many of them. I mean, I remember with Joe Montana, the guy with the Hollywood name, and even personally, I can't even remember the exact year. It's been sometime in the past five years, but it was Syracuse and Virginia on Easter Sunday, and Syracuse rallied back in the second half, points and points and points, and he goes, on Easter Sunday, Syracuse has risen from the dead, and it's... <laughs> And there, so what I'm saying about Harlan and, and the reason I would normally wouldn't share a Syracuse moment, but what I'm saying about Harlan is there are some of these calls that even you don't know about. And he just continues to do it no matter yeah. what the sport, no matter what the moment and just a tremendous career. And certainly somebody that I look up to as a journalist in the industry. All right. Well, that wraps up our what week 17 edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Keep it locked in at arrowheadpride.com as we get more information about this upcoming game against the Los Angeles Chargers. We expect Chad Henney to start, but there will be more details that emerge. Keep it locked in on the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel. We got the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory coming up tomorrow. Please rate and review us. For John Dixon, I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.